Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 111 of Thrive Deeper, episode 111. It's your old buddy DJ Payne and on the date that this comes out, it's coming out Christmas Day, December 25th, 2020. So Merry Christmas if you're listening live and to everybody else I hope your Christmas was great. Now, listen, on this week's episode, we're not doing a special Christmas episode. We're going to continue through the Gospel of Luke and talk about the ministry, the public ministry of Jesus Christ in chapters 12, 13, and 14. We left Jesus and his disciples last week in a really strange predicament. His ministry was turning. He was making some enemies of some very high up people. Also, keep on listening because in the ad break, halfway through the episode, I've got a special guest. That's right. Matthew Jacoby himself is going to be joining me to let you know about an all new app we want you to download. All that and much more on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, yes. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas when this episode comes yeah, that's out. This, right. this yeah, episode I was wondering what are you talking about? Because <laughs> we're we're recording this a little bit earlier than Christmas, mm. but this episode comes out on December twenty fifth, twenty twenty, episode one hundred and eleven, one one one. I don't think people listen to it actually on the day or you know most people do oh right most people because because our episodes eager eager audience eager audience that's that's it they're hanging off your every word matthew they're hanging (laughs) off your every word yeah i would (laughs) advise against that no it's uh so this one this one and we had a little bit of discussion for about i i think a total of about 12 seconds whether or not to do something Christmassy for this christmas episode uh, yeah, and this is about you're, as Christmas you're as you're being Grinchy. No, no, I'm not. But uh, Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. Yeah, and now yeah. let's move on. Jesus we, is the reason for the season. There we go. Yeah. He's, he's, he, let me assure and, you, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> I lo- let me assure you, Matt's wearing. I want message. you to v- visually, uh, Matt's wearing a red Christmas hat, a Santa Claus outfit. <laughs> And he's got presents all around him in tinsel. No, I made a joke. Look, we do, uh, we do have to be honest. We might have talked about this in the past a, a little bit, and we're going to get into Luke in just a moment. But both of us, when it comes to Christmas, we are a little bit bar humbuggy. We are a little, a little bit. Like, yeah, we are a little. Not. We we love the reason for the season. Amen. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> all the hoopla. Yeah. You know, it gets a little bit, you know, it gets a little bit. Uh, maybe right. that's an episode for All another right. time. Well, let's move on from us to Grinches. <laughs> <laughs> well, Merry Christmas. I hope if you are getting a chance to listen to this on Christmas Day, God bless you. You're probably listening to it Boxing Day or sometime in the week after. Yeah. But uh, we are in the middle of the Gospel of Luke yeah. uh, in the, you know, one of the Gospels of the New Testament. And I hope you've caught up on the previous episodes. If you haven't, uh, we've done a great introduction and, you know, covered who, who Luke is and the reason for his gospel but in this in the narrative of the gospel of Luke last on our last episode we covered a real turning point in Luke's gospel and it happens I think it happens you know slowly over 9 10 and 11 but it really happens in chapter 11 mm. which we covered at the end of last week yeah. where the Pharisees and the religious leaders in looking at 
Christ, they end up attributing his work to Satan. Yeah. And, and it's like Jesus is, you know, whole modus operandi snaps. It's like his whole, mm. you know, what he's focused on, where he's wanting to go is, is he takes a turn. Um, he, he has an amazing illustration. One of my favorite stories of Jesus is the, is just a couple of verses here in Luke and also in Matthew where he talks about the light within you. If your eye is dark, mm. How you know, and you're yeah. attributing light. That you, you, and this is in the in the circumstance of yeah. people looking at Jesus and attributing God's work to Satan. Yeah, Jesus is like, I'm, I, I'm yeah. done. Like yeah. I'm moving on. It becomes a pivotal, pivotal moment, yeah. doesn't it? In, in the Gospels, and and there's that classic moment where he goes to the house. He's invited to the house of uh, a lead. You know, Pharisee. Yes. And, you know, it's like us going, I don't know, to some really influential, you know. Politician. Yeah, politician, you know, state, we're invited to their house <laughs> and he brings all his friends and we stand up. And you can imagine how awkward this is. And ap- he absolutely gives them a drilling. Oh. Uh, and it's it would have been the most awkward make, moment to do that. But you would have to, I mean, who could do something like this? Well, and, 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 he, and he double. And the amazing thing in chapter 11, this is where we finished last week, Jesus doubles down. Like yeah. he goes after the Pharisees yeah. and, and, and tears them to shreds and, and really points out the hypocrisy that is yeah. in their hearts and what they're really doing and that they are devastated. And there's another group of people around the Pharisees, the other religious leaders and, yeah. and, and organisers and teachers of the law and everything, and they put their hands up and they sort of say, hey, listen, man, you know, like, steady on. What you're saying actually covers us. And Jesus goes, oh, ready? Yeah, and and just as go- for you and goes to them as well. <laughs> goes oh, to them as well. And it's, it's, oh, my it feels, goodness. It's so bold and... Yeah. And, and it's, there's a the kind of awkwardness. You yeah. just cringe. You can imagine the disciples feeling like, "Wow, we've been invited with our teacher to the if if they were, you know." The, and there may have been a couple of them in there. Yeah, uh, they would have just been cringing. Yes, don't say that. We're going to try and win these people over, and yeah. they would have been dying at yeah. this point. And I think, and it's interesting because as we move into chapter twelve. It says that a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. Mm. I mean, this is amazing what's happening here. And Jesus is also not interested in popular following. And he says things that even, again, the disciples would have been thinking, oh, don't say that. We've just got a really good following here. They're thinking this is going well. Mm. But their idea of what something looks like when it goes well is different Mm. to Jesus' idea of what it looks like when something goes well. For them, the crowd's just coming from every direction. They're thinking, this is, is go- this is going well. Being invited to the highest officials' houses, the Pharisees. <laughs> yeah. This looks like this is going well, right? <laughs> and Jesus seems to upturn all of those things. Because, because, and this is where, you know, again, we know the full picture. We know the whole story. So, yeah. we're a little bit biased. But you've got to put yourself in the first person's shoes here of his disciples and the crowds and the thousands of yeah. people who are following him. Don't forget, he's got his 12 disciples. Yeah. He just sent out another 72 disciples. Yeah. They came back singing and praising. And, yeah, and, and yeah. So he's got a massive following at this point, yeah. thousands of people. I even think in the flow here of what Luke is telling us, in him disrupting the political religious system of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, really upsetting them, yeah. the people loved it. 
the people were like, yes, finally, okay. let's go. And they're following, and the crowd is beginning to go. And Jesus is saying, this is not why I'm here. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. he has to keep on reminding them. Yeah, so he, he warns in chapter, beginning of chapter 12, he warns his disciples against the yeast of the Pharisees. You know, this, there's this sense that this kind of attitude that they embody is catching, be really careful, this kind of hypocrisy. Yeah, uh, and it's a particular type of hypocrisy. Yeah, it's a, it's a religious type of hypocrisy where yeah. I, I observe a certain religious practice yeah. that effectively, effectively compensates for my bad state of being, in a sense, you know, that, yeah. that compensates for my, it's like, you know, uh, glosses over. You know, Jesus uses the imagery of the whitewashed tombs. Yes, and it's that kind of hypocrisy where I use religious practice um, as a way of uh, you know covering over a deeply dysfunctional uh, state of being. And can we can we all just stop for a second and go? We're all guilty yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Like you we know. are. We are. Well, he and and he says. You know, I mean, he acknowledges the danger of this to his disciples. You've yeah. got to be really, really careful of this. Like, in fact, you need to be more careful of this than anything. Be careful of the outward thing. And I think this speaks to the idea that outwardly everything was looking like it was successful in the ministry yes. of Jesus. But he is not interested in that. He's not yeah. interested in, in that outward kind of yeah. success. Yeah. He wants the real thing. And he wants to get down to, no, no. I don't. It's not the crowds and the adulation, and the, it's actually who, who are the real followers yeah. here, and 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 so, and he, and he, he also wants that that authenticity. And I, and I love the, I love the fact that you know if you read if you think about what you're reading here, especially in the beginning of chapter twelve, yeah. where the multitudes are following, he's had this religious thing, and he really is going to say, right, I'm going to push it all away. Yeah. What is the fear? What you know? Why do we want popularity? Why do we want a following? We, you know, why do we want power? It's usually yeah. financial. Yeah. You know, sta- you know, there's status, financial, um, and also a worry about safety, death being the yeah. you know the most of thing. Well, he covers all of that. He next. covers exactly that's he, and that's he, where exactly where he goes because we finish in chapter eleven with it says the Pharisees and teacher of the law teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely, uh, and and that's what you get from this point on. And so there's this very real issue that you know much to the uh, disciples' despair, yeah. <laughs> probably you know you know they're thinking they're they're going probably for the popularity and, and, you know, we're getting in with the leaders as well and this is all looking good. And Jesus just turns all that upside down, okay? And he's basically going to say to them, you cannot be worried about this sort of thing. Like, you cannot be laid siege by the fear of fear of man, you know, the, the, the regard for what people think of you. Yes. And so he says, you know, I tell you, friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I tell you... I sh- he says, I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who after uh, your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And what he means by fear here is absolute regard. Yeah. Not scary, no. you know, cowering in fear, yeah. but have an absolute regard for the one who ultimately holds your eternal fate in his yeah. hands. Yeah. The idea of wanting status and popularity, Jesus turns it on its head and says, you know who you need to have status and popularity with? Your father in heaven. Yeah, that's right. That's the only one yeah. that counts because yeah. he <laughs> and, and he knows there's going to be enormous pressure on them yeah. to, uh, you know, as things move on to, um, you know, to turn against him when, uh, when he ceases to, when it's not popular. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and of course that happens as we know uh, around the crucifixion and the trial of Jesus. Yes, 
where he's abandoned by his disciples. And it's interesting in the light of, and also remember Luke is writing to an early church that are facing yeah. opposition. Persecution. And so he, you know, Luke uh, highlights some of these sayings to remind them look, you know, we weren't always going to be popular. Mm. We were warned about this. You yeah. know, there's something about the the message of Jesus that grates against people and that causes this kind of op- opposition. Yeah. And so that's when he talks about, you know, whoever acknowledged me publicly, uh, you know, um, uh, he says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Now, we all think, oh, man, if I, you know, no. but we need to remember that Peter pretty yes. much, he disowned Jesus uh, and, you know, he realized that and was restored. Yeah. But it's, so, it's interesting to see Jesus talking to these pressures that they're going to face even within the next little yeah. while. Well, I've always taken that paragraph there, 8, 9, and 10 in uh, in Luke yeah. 12, 8, 9, and 10, where he starts off talking about acknowledging and he finishes off by talking about a very controversial verse yeah. for some yeah. about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you yeah. know, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I've always taken that 8, 9, and 10 to be a square, like Jesus is pulling out the big cannon and aiming it straight for the religious leaders. He's aiming it straight for the Pharisees. And he's saying, he's talking about, in light of what the Pharisees have just done, you have denied me in the presence of everything that I'm doing. I'm going to deny you before the Lord. And then he goes on to qualify that and say, you can be forgiven everything except for... This blasphemy yeah, against okay, the Holy Spirit, take, yeah. and the, and again, Matt, I'll let you de- let you describe what you what you believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. But yeah. I, I believe that in in the context here of what Jesus is saying, it's attributing the work of God to Satan, or even if we want to get really basic, it's not recognizing what Jesus is doing right in front of us. Yeah, I, look, I, I think that's well, that that's certainly what's happening, and yeah. and. Um, and so he could certainly be referring to the Pharisees, but I think he's also warning his disciples oh, 100%. as well. And I think Luke, uh, you know, is bringing this saying out again, putting it before a church that is facing the temptation to deny Jesus yeah. um, because of the persecution that being associated with him is bringing on. So, but your point, I think, does flow well into the this verse about the baptism the blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And this has worried people because um, of the bit that says, you know, whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And there's a bit of debate around what this actually means, yeah. but I think the the majority sense of this is if you continually resist the Holy Spirit, it's not just if you do something once, yeah. but what we have seen in the context of the conversation with the Pharisees yeah. is an Again, context is everything that they have continually. I mean, it's, he's gone to their houses a number of times. Yeah. He's met with them. He's talked to them. It's the continual resistance mm. that um, means that they set their, themselves against God so much that they put themselves beyond the reach of yeah. grace. Not that God's grace has limits, yeah. but that they have put themselves by that attitude mm. beyond the reach of grace. And I love the flow on there when you're thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, you know, in the next couple of verses and saying, look, you know, there's a real sense of flow in even thinking about the religious leaders saying, look, they don't recognize 
what the Holy Spirit is doing right in front of them. And so when they drag you into courts, don't worry about it because the Holy Spirit that they're not going to recognize is going to speak through you and give you the words to say and guide you and direct you. You're part of what's really going on. They're not going to see it. Yeah, that's right. And actually then in order for – and this is a really important juncture where this goes now because – in the light of all of this, Jesus says, in order to be my disciple, in order to be a follower of Jesus, yeah. you've first of all, he said, you can't worry primarily what people think. Yeah. Like, you are going to be completely ineffective mm. if you want to be popular, if you want people to think well of you all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's That's not going to work. You cannot be a follower of Jesus mm. um, because there's something that is confronting. Now, I'm not talking about being belligerent and... and yes. uh, you know, and just putting people off an offensive, uh, you know, uh, that kind of persecution mindset sort of complex. You know, when when people, you know, people, people just say, hate oh, me, hate me for I'm the gospel, being, man. Yeah, I'm being persecuted for my faith, and often it's no, you're being persecuted for being an idiot. Uh, so I think we need to make that. You know, we need to be, you know, as loving and tactful and gracious as we can. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you know. There is, and, and certainly Jesus exemplifies that, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, and so, yet he, um, you know, he, he warns his disciples, you can't be, you can't be concerned about these things. Yeah. And uh, and then he goes on to talk about about the biggest concern that we have even today, yeah, the you know material concerns, because again, if you are if you're caught up in this, you just can't. Go the distance. You can't live the kind of life of faith mm. uh, that that God is calling you to. If your main agenda is um, storing up wealth, yeah. creating your own security, and that's where you get the famous "Do not worry yeah. about what you will eat and what you will wear," and you know God clothes the birds of the field and the you know the so forth, and um, uh, the seek first the kingdom of God. Mm. So, um, uh, and then. He segues from that into the this passage about being watchful. And I think this is important because it's about be ready. Like, don't yeah. get drawn into – if you get drawn into uh, pl- people-pleasing, if you get drawn into the security, I've, I've got to store up stuff. And, if you know, getting drawn into all of that means that you're just not ready. You're not ready. You're not in a place of spiritual alertness. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Jesus returns, you'll not be found ready. Yeah. And that's that's where he goes from here. And that and the, having that mindset, I love how the flow of Jesus teaching. He's so, I mean, for crying out loud, he's the perfect teacher. He's God. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's got all wisdom encompassing here. But I love the flow of trying to get the balance right. And again, it's something we struggle with. And and you know, as as leaders of families, I think it's something that you know adult men and women struggle with in, you know, worrying about money, worrying about being able to provide and how it all, all goes. And he and he really hits it there, you know, in, in verse 42, 43 around there, where Jesus says, you know, be the wise, diligent servant. Like be this, it's almost like be the, mm. the good slave of God, mm. provide and do the work that he's given you to do really simply, yeah. make sure everybody's fed and be ready for the return. That's all you need to do. That's keep it really, yeah. really simple. He really lets us focus there. Yeah. He, he then goes on the end of chapter twelve, Matt. I really wanted to get into this with you today, and and you know speak to this because these verses here, you know, at the end of chapter twelve, they're getting thrown around a lot today yeah. in political discussion, mm-hmm. in you know cultural discussion, in you know Christians wanting to take up 
you know, arms and Christians want to fight the cultural battles and political things and stuff like that. A lot of them turn here to to these words of Jesus and go, well, listen, Jesus says he's going to cause division. Yeah, and and we've, I mean, and we've seen that with the Pharisees. But what we've got to remember is that the Pharisees were the religious people. Yeah. This is this is where we get this wrong because we yeah. think, well, you know, Jesus really gave it to the Pharisees, so we need to go out and all those people, all those sinful people out there, we need yeah. to just give them what for, right? Yes, and 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 sort of wag the finger at them. Uh, well, uh, n- no, that's actually Jesus is holding accountable those who didn't, who, who should have known better. Yes, and it's. You know, judgment begins in the house of God, yep. and that's where Jesus begins. And it's actually the religious people uh, that that are the the brunt of his fiercest, fiercest, in a sense, yep. the sword oh, yeah. from Jesus. But when it comes to the people who were, you know, the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and I mean, he is really going the distance to actually befriend them, and he even has the he even has the reputation of being a friend of sinners. Yes, now which. He would have said, well, yes, I am. I've come to lay down my life for them, more than just a friend even, you know. Um, But... uh but it is th- this these verses where he says, um, I've not come, uh, d- you know, do you think that I've came, come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Yeah. From now on, there will live, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three, they will be divided, father against it, so, so forth and so forth. Yeah. So, what he's saying is that, is that faith is going to, is that your own, members of your own family are going to become your persecutors. Mm. It's not that... You should not make yourself an enemy of people, but by your faith, and this is a very important thing, uh, by your faith, they will treat you like an enemy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, we should, not do any, we should not do anything to treat other people like our enemies. In a sense, as Christians, we should not have enemies. In, in a sense, you know, we are... You know, we exist for the sake of people to reach out to people. That doesn't mean we agree with everything that, you know, that the people say and, and do. And but um, we should never gain this reputation as as you know, like we're the enemy yeah. in some way, or, or, or that people should ever feel like, you know, I feel like I'm the enemy in some yeah. way. So, and, and I've he- I've even heard people, you know, again, you 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 summed it up really well, Matthew, with what a lot of people will take these. Versus to mean as in I can I can sort of cause uh, division and and come out against sin and stuff like that. Well, then other people who get a bit more into the text go, oh no, I see, I agree with you, Matt. I agree with you, Matt. He's talking to the religious people, so I'm going to stand up in my church and against other Christians and divide the other Christians. I'm going to be that rallying cry and be that radical prophet who's going to go out there and radically divide you know divide the church and the sin that I see occupying that. I don't know if Jesus is really calling us to that in, in this because, again, he's again the perfect teacher. And he starts off with that, but he finishes off in chapter twelve, saying, basically, if you have an accuser who's going to take mm. you to court, and you see the person on the way, yeah. do whatever you can yeah, to right. settle it out of court, live peaceably. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, it's not it's not this yeah. it's not this radical, um, you know, form of fighting for what we consider to be injustice that we sort of make Jesus into in in our head. Yeah, that's right. So what Jesus is is doing there is he is predicting the fact that there is going to be severe persecution against uh, against the 
you know, the Christian movement. And, and that's not going to be something and any, I mean, he, and through his example and through his teaching, I think he's very clear on that's not, we should not warrant that, you know, we should not be, you know, belligerent and, and sort of, uh, um, put people offside. Um, we should, you know, we should love people and show grace and so forth, but it's inevitable that there's going to be something confronting about our, our message and, um, and that's going to, and particularly, in, and you see, of course, even in the time when Luke was writing, yeah. you know, this begins to take, uh, and you begin to see this persecution, and so, you know, Jesus is preparing so we move in the we move into chapter thirteen. We're going to take a break in, in 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 a few minutes here, but I wanted to get into a little bit through chapter thirteen with you, Matt. This this opening opening statement here, I, I wanted to wanted to throw to you because I've, I've I've had a look into it here. This first one of chapter thirteen. About this time, Jesus was informed yeah. that Pilate. So this is our introduction to this Roman authority yeah. Pilate out there had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. So. These Galileans had gone to Jerusalem. Mm. They're they're doing their thing, and they get they get killed by Pilate yeah. for doing something radical. I've heard that people are bringing this to Jesus because Pilate is already aware of these Galileans, these mm. religious Galileans causing yeah, yeah. trouble in Jerusalem. Jesus, do you think that this was meant for you and your followers? Have you caused this? Is this some sort of violent thing that's happening? Is Pilate already aware? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's an interesting one. I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't heard that one. We actually don't know. No. Actually, what this is referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there has been some, um, you know, some massacre, and and what Jesus is saying is. Just because this happened doesn't mean that there was something wrong with it. Yes. Like just because there, you know, there was this bloodshed, and this is important because Jesus Himself is going to be crucified, and 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 just because that's going to happen doesn't doesn't mean that it was uh, that it was all wrong. Yeah. Um, so be careful how you how you judge things here. Yeah. Um, so. You know, he says, "Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem?" I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. So, yeah, he's saying, um, uh, you know, they're they're not they're not worse. It's yeah. like, oh, that fa- oh, they must have been really bad because that that all fell, you know, in, in a heap. No, yes. no, no. Just be careful of that. Yeah. Way of thinking, if a disaster so. befalls on a yeah. group, it doesn't mean that it's an act of God's yeah. judgment against yeah. them. Yeah, but and he points to the real. Issue, which is, uh, we need to examine ourselves by looking at the fruit, the fruitfulness or lack thereof, and that's yeah. where he goes from that point. Yeah. So he then goes in the fruit, fruitfulness, and we get a really powerful illustration of the barren fig tree. Now, is this obviously? I mean, we've heard the words fig tree. If we know anything about the Old yeah. Testament and reading some of the prophecies in the Old Testament, fig tree should be making at least a little yeah, ding 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 yeah, in our yeah. head. Is Jesus here painting a picture? I know it can be bigger than this, but is Jesus painting a picture to his listeners at the time that he's the gardener, that God is the farmer, that the fig tree, fig tree is Jerusalem, and Jesus yes. is saying, wait? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, – he's looking for fruitfulness, and, and he's he's come to his people, and he's looking for the fruit of repentance. That's what he's looking for, because he's just said, unless you repent, you too will perish. That's when he goes on to talk about the fig tree. So um, – 
so really it is the tree that is cut down is uh, is the you know Jerusalem yeah. at this point and uh, of course as we know after the Jewish wars in the late 60s in 70 AD the fig tree is cut down Jerusalem is completely destroyed so he is he is constantly preempting that event it's a very important event mm. and a lot of things in the gospels do are are pointing to that particularly in Luke's gospel uh, actually yeah. Yeah, definitely, and it leads to it leads from that story of, and I love how Jesus doesn't wrap it up in a happy ending. Yeah, he just says, "Oh, wait." Yeah. You know, he he sort of in his his little story here, his little his little illustration. Yeah, uh, listen, you know, I'm going to give it plenty of attention. I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to yeah. look after this fig tree really well. Give it another year. Give it another, and then if it doesn't bear fruit in a year, then you can cut it down. Okay, yeah. I lived it. Yeah. And everyone's waiting for the end illustration. No end of the illustration. It's yeah. like this is what's happening right now. And from there, we go straight into a, 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 the real life, you know, illustration. Jesus being the good gardener, giving the fertilizer, giving the stuff. He does an amazing work yeah. in Jerusalem, you know, yeah. in, in amongst his people, and the people turn around and say, "Not good." Yeah, straight away. Right. Yeah. It's the same scenario again. Yeah. I mean, he heals someone on the Sabbath and they're more concerned about the Sabbath. And the interesting thing about this is that Sabbath keeping was crucial to Jewish identity. It was an identity thing. We, we are Jewish. We keep the Sabbath. That's what we do. And so, it, it was about their identity as being God's people. And the irony in that is that you know what is that for? If it's not for looking after and bringing healing into people's lives, yeah. and and so they're prepared, uh, you know, they're complaining that he heals a woman uh, on the Sabbath uh, when you know it's it's just a strange that that kind of religiosity that just ends up overlooking things that are more important. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not that the Sabbath wasn't important, but they, they were wearing this like a badge of identity. Yes. When in fact they were betraying the very thing that that identity was meant to represent, yeah. which is to be a light and, a you know, vessels of healing to the nations. Mm. So, this is the bad fruit. They they were wanting to kind of look like, but actually um, the very thing that that identity was meant to stand for, uh, they were that was absent. Yeah. Um, and that becomes very clear here. So the whole movement from the fig tree to this story, Luke has just Perfect put this again. together yeah. uh, to perfectly show yeah. what's happening. It's it's amazing. Well, let's get into the rest of chapter theme, we'll, thirteen. We'll, and, and we want to get into we want to cover off fourteen as well on yep. today's episode. So let's take a quick break. I'm excited because in this coming break, it's the first time ever. Matthew's going to join me in this break, and we're going to tell you something something really, really important. He's itching to tell you about something fantastic that's happening. So keep on listening. We've got an important thing to share with you on the break, and we'll be back after that to go through the rest of Luke chapter 13 and 14 here on Thrive Deeper.
family, it is your old pal DJ here interrupting this discussion of the Gospel of Luke, but I'm not by myself. This is a record breaker. Mark the calendar down, the first time we've done this. It's a Christmas Day miracle, everybody. Matthew Jacoby is here with me on this middle break here. And this is where we usually do... I know you never listen to the show, Matt. You don't know what's going on. but Well, I'm here. <laughs> this, is, this is where we usually have, in the middle of our discussion, mm. we interrupt it, we have a break, and I come in and do a little bit of an advertisement. Mm. I do a little bit of a promotion. Do you? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and so, what have we been doing lately is letting people know about your band's amazing new development of having its own app. Mm. Uh, your band is called Sons of Korah. Mm. So, let me ask you the, a handful of questions about, about Sons of Korah, because believe it or not, I'm sure there are some people listening who've never heard the band and have no idea about it. Mm-hmm. When did Sons of Korah begin? A long time ago. <laughs> Uh, about 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, really, that long. Wow. And, um, and it's kind of, I mean, look, my passion is for the communicating God's Word. I mean, doing what we've done, been doing in this episode. And, yeah. um, and when it comes to the Psalms, I think the best way to do that is with music. And so I uh, came into the world as a young adult, as a musician, yeah. uh, through my studies and all of that, playing music. And Sons of Korah developed out of my passion for God's Word. And so alongside... All of the other things that I did always had this this wonderful opportunity to um, you know to take God's word in musical form and uh, massage it into people's hearts. Yeah, so yeah. that's what Sons of Korah is all about. So you take the Psalms yeah. and and you put them to a uh, you know I'm not I'd hate to use the word contemporary and I and I'll throw it to you. I've used a whole bunch of different words trying to describe the music yeah. of Sons of Korah over the years. How would you describe it? Oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> We 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 use it, you know. We use it, it's a you know mixture of styles, yep. uh, really. But um, we it's all about, I guess, expressing what's happening in the psalm, and and as I said, it's about just massaging it into people's hearts and helping them to feel the the impact yes. uh, of the psalms, whatever is happening in the psalms. And okay. that's what it's all about. So so the the name the number one question that happens every time that Sons of Korah go anywhere or you're interviewed anywhere, and I'd be miss if I didn't mm. ask it, the name Sons of Korah. You know, we, we you read it at the top of a couple of psalms. Yeah. You know, the, you know, for David and the God and the yeah. the band is the sons is sons of Korah. But you go, hang on, I remember something happening with Korah in the Old Testament early on with Moses. Yeah. They were weren't they the bad guys? Well, Korah, uh, yeah, Korah was a letter rebellion uh, against Moses and Aaron. Um, but he he his descendants seem to have come good. Or, well, God showed them grace. Uh, and they went on to become important musicians, evidently, yeah. who composed some of the psalms. So if you look in your Bible at the psalms around the 80s and the 40s, the 40s and the 80s, you'll see that some of them are attributed to the sons of Korah. Okay, and that's not you and your band. That's- no, no, that's, yeah, that's right. We, we haven't been around that quite that long. Uh, so, yeah, so that's where we got the name from. Now, uh, in this age of uh, musicians trying to make a living and bands trying mm. to make a living in a yeah. digital age... How on earth does that work? Uh, you know, <laughs> selling CDs and vinyl and records and stuff like that isn't exactly as popular as it once was with streaming mm. media. Sons of Korah has always done things a little bit differently, you yeah. know, uh, from day one with everything that you've done. You've now decided to go the route of having your own standalone app yeah. where people can sign up. I mean, number one, we need to let everybody know you can download the app for free and yeah. get a whole lot of Sons of Korah and Matthew Jacoby content, yeah. including the Thrive, what we're doing here with Thrive yeah. is all part of the app as yeah. well. But 
you can go in and sign up and for a, uh, a quarterly amount every quarter you become yeah. a ministry supporter yeah. and everything that Sons of Korra yeah. has done and will yeah, do right. is unlocked. Yeah, so it's a way of enabling us to continue to record because it's enormously expensive to, to make albums and you know to record and, yeah. and to do what we do. So uh, the app is really our way of um, enabling people to help us to do that. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, so you, you know, you gain access, immediate access through you know a small amount of money each month. You get gain immediate access to all of our material, past and and we'll actually one of the things that I'm excited about is being able to just continually release new music through that app. Yeah. Yeah, which will be great. We've got some. We've got some really interesting things planned for it in the future. Uh, I can't wait for for everybody to get across it. So head over to sonsofcora.com. That's sons of Cora. Cora is K O R A H. Uh, we've got the link in the show notes of this week's episode. And get out there and support Matt and the crew from Sons of Cora as you get into that app and enjoy some great music. Yeah, it's available on the App Store and the. Um whatever the Android version of that is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can find it all at sunsacora.com. It's all there, yeah, that's right. All right, let's get back into Luke on Thrive Deeper. Drive Deeper, your old pal DJ here with you, Matthew Jacoby, and uh, you thank you so much for listening to that little, uh, uh, you know, advertisement there. Some very exciting stuff going on. Uh, you, your worlds are colliding, Matt. Mm. The Sons of Cool world and the Thrive world are, are, are bashing up against each other here. How does that make you feel? They're, well, they're, they're, they're generally quite complimentary, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm working so I'm working on it so we can do an entire musical episode where you can sing a whole episode of Thrive. How does that sound? Sure. <laughs> well, let's get back into uh, the Gospel of Luke. We've just left, um, you know, uh, Jesus and the disciples there in chapter 13. We're halfway through the book, uh, through, the chap- through chapter 13 here. And he gives us two tiny little illustrations. But the unique thing about the illust- both illustrations is... He, he gives an illustration of the smallness mm. of what he is starting here. This yeah. gospel kingdom movement that he is starting, it's like a mustard seed or it's like yeast. Yeah. It's tiny. Yeah, that's right. I think this is a remarkable prediction as well uh, because he's saying the kingdom of God is going to start like a seed and it's going to grow into an enormous tree. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be like yeast a little bit of yeast in the dough. It's going to spread throughout the dough. I mean, the dough is the world, right? So he's saying that this is going to become a worldwide movement. It's going to spread throughout the dough. And, um, you know, I I think he's also referring to the fact, uh, because at the end of this chapter, he has that famous moment where he laments over Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, and he's lamenting over the their agenda, their very nationalistic agenda and the fact that they're wanting to establish the kingdom in a very imposing kind of way. That's that was the sort of dominant ambition of the Jewish people. You know, we're gonna establish a political kingdom and, you know, get rid of all these sinful Gentiles and, mm. and so forth, and then we're gonna go out and extend our boundaries and all this sort of stuff, right? Yeah. But he's saying, No, no, the kingdom of God's not gonna come like that's not how it's gonna work. I mean and and I, I just this is such an important point, and and I think uh, if if we 
took note of this, we would do really well. Because yes. I think there's something within us that's impatient and we just want to make the kingdom of God come like the Jews did then, yeah. you know, in this imposing political way. And we'll just, Badly. you know, let's let's just create Christendom, when, you, know, you know, which is just, we'll just create Christian policies and call it, you know, create a Christian nation and, and suddenly think that we've... You know, well, I mean, we've, you know, like the churches succeeded in doing that at points in history and it was a disaster. Yeah. In other words, they created Christendom and, and it completely slowed down the spread of the gospel. Yeah. You know, and so, um, and those countries to this day are the most pagan, really. Yeah. In, I mean, the most non Christian, most resistant yes. Yes. to Christianity in the world. So, um, so the key thing is here, stick with the plan, for goodness sake. <laughs> like, stick with the plan. The plan here is, um, is this. You know, supernatural movement where it's it's grassroots. It's the yeast in the dough. It's not an imposing political movement. It's something that moves person to person through the dough. It's a long period of time. Think of a, a seed growing into a tree that happens over a long period of time, generations, and it's small increments. And so, in our impatience, this is what happened has happened throughout history. You know, Christians have got impatient. We're just gonna we're just gonna. Force it, you know, make it happen. And then, again, illustrating the point, Luke lays out the story here. And then as Jesus is moving, you know, in the villages and the towns and and through the people, someone speaks up and they get it. Yeah. They get it. They say, hang on, Jesus. What you're saying is that only a few we will be yeah. saved, yeah, and he's right. like, "Yes, yes, that's right." So I'm mean, not it, starting a mass movement here, and that's where he uses the illustration of the broad and the narrow door. Like yeah. you've got to enter through the narrow door. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I mean, he's saying, "Look, I don't need many. Uh, I just need, uh, you know, that 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 faithful few." And yes. and this is going to happen. It only takes a small seed to create a big tree. Mm. Now the tree's going to be big, but it doesn't depend on the crowds. Because remember, we've heard about the crowds that are following him. He's not looking for, you know, just crowds of spectators. He's looking for genuine followers, right? Yeah. And it's th- through those genuine followers that the powerful yeast is going to spread through the dough. And it's, it, it, I cannot, it, it, again, it's hard for us sometimes to hear how radical these words are. But in chapter mm. 13, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation, verses 28, mm. you know, to the end of this little section here, he says, There'll be great weeping and gnashing of teeth for you, for you, We'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets within the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And then, this is a radical bit. That's radical in, in, yeah, in itself. Yeah, that's right. Then people will come out from all over the world to take their places in the kingdom of yeah. God. That, to a Jewish oh, ears, yeah. is oh, yeah. crazy talk. Absolutely <laughs> crazy talk, you know. It is and it isn't, because remember Isaiah 60, the nations will come to your light. There's there's this promise there, um, but uh, the, the crazy talk there is that they are going to miss out. It's like, what, are you telling me that these pagan nations are all going to come into the kingdom and we're going to be left out? Yeah. Well, Jesus is saying, yeah, if you don't get with the plan, yes, yeah. you will be left out. Mm. And so, but... I mean, again, remarkably here, we have these predictions. Remember, Jesus is, okay, he's got a following, but, I mean, he knows that there's really only, uh, you know, maybe a few does. I mean, 72 maybe and 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 the rest, uh, perhaps who, and, and this gets down to 12. This is an amazing promise. Oh, that yeah. He's saying, I'm going to create a movement that's going to go all around the world. I mean, what is the likelihood of that coming true? <laughs> yeah. And yet it has. Yeah. 
and yet it has. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And more so now than ever. I mean, most, you know, I mean, the Christianity is spreading like wildfire, yeah. wildfire, east, west, north, south, yes. all, over the, all over the place. Okay. And we get, again, like at the beginning of chapter 13, we get another moment here where some people, and this time it's Pharisees, and these Pharisees, yeah. I don't, we, we don't get the full context here, but I'm, I'm assuming that there's a handful of Pharisees who are still listening to yeah. Jesus yeah. and going, okay, yeah, which is okay, interesting. Yeah. you know, uh, yeah. this might be the dude, this, they're still undecided, yeah. they're still listening, they're still following. And a few minutes later, Pharisees come to him and say, Listen, man, get out of here, because he's heading to Jerusalem, yeah. he's got yeah. his eyes set to Jerusalem, yeah. Jesus, and he says to, they say to Jesus, get out of here if you want to leave, because Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Yeah. So again, this the stories of Jesus and what is radically happening, the, dis, the, the disruption that is happening with these Jewish people yeah. is spreading to Rome. You know, yeah. the, the news of it is spreading to Rome. Herod Antipas isn't happy about it. Yeah. He wants to kill him. And Jesus, and well, Herod is in Judea. Uh, yeah, he's still in Judea. So, uh, but but certainly, it's spreading to the highest places. Yes. really. Yep. And um, but Jesus' response is, no, I'm actually going to go right into the yeah. right into the thick of it. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, uh, and he says, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Wow, wow. And and then you have this famous lament, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate. But I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, that's an interesting statement there. Um, You know, he's predicting the fact. You can hear the sorrow, the heartbrokenness in his voice. Yeah, that's right. And because he... Because within a generation, of course, in, in Matthew 24, uh, Jesus literally says this, this desolation is going to happen within a generation, actually right within 40 years in 70 AD. Um, Jerusalem's laid desolate completely. Uh, why were they laid desolate? Because they, because they went the um, imposing political revolution, let's get rid of the Romans, military uprising route. That's They went the political route, and so they were left desolate. And... Um, and Jesus is predicting that here, and that's exactly what happens. So you know, it's it's a yeah. it's it's a tragedy here. So yeah. because you didn't stick to my agenda, you didn't stick to my plan. Uh, it's all going to implode, and it's all and it's almost well, not almost. It is Jesus finishing that story about the fig tree. Yeah. You yeah, know, he leaves, right. he yeah, leaves that's fig, exactly right. He leaves yeah. the fig tree story hanging yeah. in that illustration, yeah. and by the end of it, he's like, yeah. Jerusalem, this is it. The fig yeah. tree will be cut yeah, down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, we move into chapter 14, and we mm. want to cover off chapter 14 on this uh, on this episode. Again, it kicks off yet again, Jesus pushing, you know, the powers that be and yeah. healing on the Sabbath day. Yeah. You know, that's how we start off. Yeah. Start it off again, and doesn't that keep coming up again and again and again? And the significance of that again, I'll say what I said before is that Sabbath keeping was an element of identity. It was like this is our identity. This is how we identify yeah. ourselves as distinctly Jewish people. But Jesus' problem with this is that yeah, but it doesn't have any content. You know what I mean? It's it's not just about the badge that you wear. It's about uh, what that actually what that actually implies. You know, it means being. One of God's covenant people means being a vessel of God's blessing, mm. and you know they're they're actually you know keep doing this in a way that is uh, completely um, forgetting that side of it. Then yep. you know they're 
the 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 flow of that blessing has completely been cut off by their obsession with sort of outward identity. Yeah, yeah. He then he then in in light of this, where it keeps on coming up about an issue about the Sabbath, um, you know, uh, Jesus is is at a dinner. And mm. he he watches everybody, probably his own disciples, yeah. no, notably, yeah. trying to sit near the head of the table. And he goes into this thing that's about right. what humility yeah, that's is. That's right. Talk about identity. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just, you know, the Sabbath thing is all about my identity, you know, yeah. and, and well, I'm not going to heal on the Sabbath because that might, you know, that, that might compromise my identity. And Jesus is saying, no, actually... You, the very content of your identity is to be a vessel of of blessing, and then he goes to this feast, and it's all about who gets to sit at the you know the you know the head of the table, and uh, he's saying, you know what, uh, what you need to do is take the lowest position, yep. and you can only it, it's only uphill from there. But if you take the highest position, it's all downhill from there. And I, there's a spiritual lesson here, you know, if you if you uh, kind of um, carry this sense of entitlement and, uh, you know, uh, this ride the religious high horse, then yeah. it's all down from there. <laughs> like, really, it's all down from there. Far better to, rec- to, to uh, acknowledge, you know, humbly acknowledge what you lack and, and it's, it's all uphill from there. With Jesus, it's all uphill from there. And again, again, if you're having a dinner party or a luncheon and you've got Jesus on the invite card, Ex- expect, yeah, yeah, that's right. Go, yeah. Expect it not to go well. By by the end of this, Jesus turns to the host of the lunch and says, yeah. "Hey, listen, you know, check this out. Next time when you put on a luncheon, don't yeah. invite all the powerful people. Yeah, yeah. Invite the lame, the yeah. crippled. <laughs> invite the because yeah. God will reward you. Then it's like, well, thanks. For- <laughs> yeah, I mean, he says, hey. All right, he calls his bluff. You're just playing. You're just playing a yeah. social game here. Yeah. yeah, look at you guys with your. You know, you're all uh, come here to. You know, to get your. your you know, uh, scrounging around for the higher seats, and uh, it's and he just calls it, and it's so awkward. And yet again, the the uh, disciples must have just been cringing at his boldness. He he then goes in, and there's a beautiful story here in the middle of chapter fourteen. Yeah, talk about banquets. The story of the great feast. Yeah, yeah the banquet at the end of the end of the world. It reminds me of, um, and I'll put a link to the show notes in this. Um, one of my all time, excuse my little rabbit trail here, Matt. Uh, one of my all time favorite uh, musicians, bands. You know, in my universe, this is my um, Bob Dylan. This is yeah. my John Lennon. Yeah. Is a guy named Terry Terry Scott Taylor. Terry S. Taylor is still living in in America up up near Seattle Way, and his band is called Daniel Amos. Um, you know, not named after anybody, just two random books of the Bible. Yeah. Been around since the seventies, right. for crying out loud. And on their nineties, they released an album in the nineties called Motorcycle. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that uh, album, he has a has a song called Banquet at the World's End, and he has a way of turning a phrase. That just ah oh, just convicts me yeah. every time, and he takes he takes this completely from this story here, and I just want to read part of it uh, uh, for you. He says the beautiful people all send their excuses. There's real estate and sex lives, livestock and ex wives, but the poor are coming, the lame are running in their sleazy clothes and their orthopedic shoes. There's a hair-lip spokesman shouting out the news, come to the banquet at the world's end. There's a string ensemble and the king's court jester telling parables and big jokes to mongoloids and old folks. And the blind are seeing 
and the dead are breathing, and the mummies are dancing in geriatric style, and the amputees are rolling down the aisles, saying, come to the banquet at the world's end. Candlelight and party hats, duck and pheasant and aristocrats, aluminium walkers and thin white canes, caviar and pink champagne, and the bride and groom waltz on club foot lane at the banquet at the world's end. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That's great lyrics there. Yeah, love I'll put that. a I'll put a link yeah. to the song and the lyrics in the show notes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I get a bit yeah. emotional reading that one. But um, he he just pulls out yeah the heart of God and the yeah, heart yeah, of Jesus yeah. in this isn't story. It, isn't it beautiful in this? How I mean, and again, it, it's it's a hard it's a hard illustration because it's again it's this thing of being shut out. Yeah. But they've shut themselves out because Jesus wants to say everyone's invited. I just want you to come, but you you, you are. You know, you, you're you're not actually coming to me because you think you are all self-subsistent and self-sufficient, and that you've made it. You've you've you know you have achieved your own. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's there's a there's a wonderful um, uh, there's a wonderful sense of openness to this as well. It's not like yes. some exclusive feast because he's saying this at a very exclusive supper. Yeah. You know, where only the important people, only the you know, the the the, the leaders and the and he's saying, Well look, God's Supper at the end of the age isn't going to be like that. Yeah. It's not going to be an exclusive supper like yours. Yeah. It's going to be people from all over, and and the most humble yes. are going to come. And 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 you ma- you make a great point there. And it actually go he goes on to say yeah. this in the song Terry Terry Taylor bringing it out in the song here that the beautiful people at the end will say no leave us alone. Yeah, we're happy where we are. Yeah, we don't want to go to like it's their yeah. choice not to go. Yeah, as it is the choice yeah. of the humble to go. That's right, and and. One of the reasons why, and, and this is where he goes next, why the, the, those who really understand their need are going to be so needy mm. and, and so aware of their need that they are going to do anything to get there. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to do anything. I'm going to leave everything behind, mm. uh, you know, and, um, and they're going to be, you know, willing to um, uh, go through the persecution and all of the rest. And, and this is where Jesus goes – in this, you know, this final saying in chapter fourteen, that's all about counting the cost. You yeah. know that, that there is. It's it's like it's free to come to my supper. Yeah, it's free to come <laughs> to my supper. Sense. Yeah, in one sense, <laughs> but there's a cost in another sense. Yeah, yeah. And that goes yeah. back to where we started in this episode. Uh, is that well? It's it's going to cost you popularity. You, you're yeah. not going to be you're not going to be part of the uh, A team, the cool gang. You're not yeah. going to be, um, you know, you're going to go, be going against the flow. Yeah. Uh, so be that. That's the cost. It's like God. There's, you know, Jesus isn't charging you anything. I mean, Jesus paid the cost for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so God is letting you in for free. But there's a cost in the sense that, and as He says here, um, even your own family members are going to become your enemies. And it's an interesting saying here. Um, he says in uh, 14.26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, um, this is an interesting one because it, it's, you know, it's, it's like a teaching. Uh, it's a teaching technique. It's not meant to be taken literally. No. Like, you, don't you, don't I mean, walk. Don't don't finish this podcast and go righty. I need to call mum and dad. Yeah, need to tell them yeah, I hate them. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to hate my own family. 
Now, you've got to be willing that even your own family may become your enemies. And so, compared to your love for God and your your allegiance to Jesus Christ, uh, you've got to be you've got to be willing. Uh, to have them as enemies, to have God as your friend—that that's the. I've I've heard I've heard another teacher describe it this way, Matt. Tell me to weigh in on this one: that the love that you have for the gospel, for Jesus, and for following in, following Him, yeah. makes the love that you have for your family. Yeah, that's right. Seem like hate. Yeah, that's the point. It, it, yeah. It's it's so big in what yeah. and like, and then he brings up a phrase that people still use in popular culture today: is if you're not willing to carry your own cross, this concept yeah. of carrying your own cross. Yeah. And he then he illustrates what it means to carry the cross. And by carrying the cross, he means counting the counting the cost. Yeah. You know, working out, weighing up what it's going to take yeah. to follow Jesus. And he does this all in the light of, of the opening of this last section of 14 is, again, great crowds are following him. Yeah. He's growing in popularity, and yeah. in, in, the, in the light of that, he turns around and says, "Be ready to die for you know." Like yeah, it, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, he's constantly wanting to actually narrow the following down to those who are real, really genuine. He's just not. He's he's not into the the popular following thing. He, what he wants here is real disciples, and so the key is. Are you really going to follow me through thick and thin? Mm. And you know, think of the parable of the sower and the, you know, uh, you know, three quarters of the of the seed is, is is sown and taken away. It's rocky ground or the weeds, and it's only it's only a quarter of it that's really falls on on the good soil. You yeah. know, so again, he's, you know, Jesus isn't out for uh, popularity or the numbers. What he's looking for yet again is this real. Disciples, so he says, count the cost. Now, the last couple of verses here, when I want to wrap up with this on this week's episode, Matt, uh, of of 14, is another um, illustration that is used time and time again. I remember, you know, hearing about this in Sunday school and I've seen churches named after it. I've seen Christian radio stations and ministry named after it. It's this concept of the importance of salt in the Roman culture. And he's and he's making it that we are to be like salt. What is what does he mean here? Why, why is this so important? Yeah, well, salt was used as a as a preservative. I mean, it's it's we th- we think of salt as adding flavour, and there is a sense of that. Uh, but it's also a it's a it's also a preservative as well. Um, so so there's this sense of it it you know. We talk about you know you cure you curing meat with with salt, and you know it preserves. Also, you know, adds flavour. Um, so there's this this sense of um, carrying this flavour. You know mm-hmm. that our life, uh, that to be a true disciple is to is to is to retain this flavour of Jesus that brings this uh, this kind of healing, you know, curing element into the world. Mm. Uh, it's a it's actually a really powerful uh, image, I think. So how do we? Again, it scares me a little bit here. Yeah. And I'm reading, and as I was finishing reading this the other day. I ha- I went away thinking, my goodness, how do we know when we've lost the flavour? You know, I'm reading yeah. this for me now, and I'm like, am I as salty as what yeah. Jesus wants me to be? Am I am I losing the flavour? Anyone? Because again, he, he he finishes it with that phrase, and again translated here in the New Living Translation, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Yeah. I mean, this is a, he's he's that that sort of Jesus little code language of yeah. saying, here's something deeper. You need to dwell on this one. Yeah. 
Well, the best the best way to answer that, I think, is to look at the example of Jesus, and in what way did Jesus express that mm. uh, that saltiness? You know, and he it's it's a saltiness that that brings this. You know, he has this distinct element in his ministry where he he stands out. You know, because he's not he's not just going with the popular flow. He is. Um, you know, he's standing with the with the humble and the sinful, and 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 so he's willing to stand on the fringes. Uh, he is, um, uh, you know, he's not just joining the crowds and just wagging the finger at them. He is he's actually uh, it's it's the saltiness of his love and his grace uh, that is so countercultural, really, in, in a time where you know, really, I mean, particularly in this con- in this context, which is. So much about you know religious observance, and he, he he wants to get them back to what it's really all about. You know, it's actually really all about being. And, and in a lot of places, the, the salt metaphor is used along with the light metaphor. It's about being light in the darkness. Be a light in the darkness. Um, reflect the light of God's love and the light of God's grace, and uh, be willing to pay any cost because ultimately that's about sacrifice and. Um, and so you've got to be willing to, you know, pay the price for this. And that's the kind of life that we're called to live, a life in which we are distinct, um, not by being, you know, uh, I guess playing the, and again, to re- refer to back what he said before about the yeast and that it's not about, we're not part, we're not doing things that way, right? We're not joining the, uh, the let's just impose our, you know, our way of seeing things game. We're, we're doing things in a completely different way through this process that Jesus demonstrates of love and grace. And Jesus promises that if we stick to that plan, then the salt will retain its saltiness, that it will bring that curing effect and that we will win the world. Powerful words from Jesus himself about being the salt, being that flavour. I find myself convicted of this at the moment. Do I have that flavor? Do I have that saltiness that Jesus wants of me? And I love the way that Matthew enunciated it there at the end. And I hope that as if you're listening to this episode on Christmas Day, the day it comes out, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Maybe we can think about it as we're uh, adding some extra salt onto that turkey and chicken that we're having around Christmas dinner. (laughs) Maybe we can be thinking about it there in the words of Christ as we remember him on this Christmas Day. Now, uh, thank you to everybody who's reached out and everyone who's downloaded the Sons of Korah app and getting into that and and, uh, enjoying the music and supporting the ministry there of Matthew and his bandmates. Thank you so much. Get over at sonsofkorah.com. If you want to reach out to us and give us a question, you can always do that at thrivetoday.tv. Have a great Christmas. We'll see you next fortnight on Thrive Deeper. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. 
visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production. <laughs>